Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is Hollywood Behind Closed Doors with Frank McKay on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'd like to welcome everyone here with really one of the truly great actors out there. And you've seen him in so many series and movies and, and everything else and uh, everything from The Dark Knight Rises, of course, Game of Thrones, his little finger, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, everything you see this man in, uh, you, you stop and say, wow, is that the same guy? You know, he's just terrific at what he does. And it's always great to talk to someone who is very, very good at their craft. Aiden Gillen is here to talk about the second season of Project Blue Book. And that is terrific. And big reason why is him. But more than that, it's just terrific all the way around. Aiden Gillen, how are you? I'm very good. I'm just trying to uh, recover from that flattering, uh, <laughs> flattering introduction, but I'll, I'll, I'll survive it. I'll survive it. Thank you. Thank you, you. Listen, you hear sure. it all the time. I mean, after Game of Thrones, all of you guys uh, have have gotten to this different status, and and uh, you know everyone has admired that show and so forth. But you have so much on your resume that uh, that points to that. You, you you really have diversity on there. And and by the way, Project Blue Book is uh, is no exception. It really opens up. Uh, you know, I I imagine your range. Yeah. Well, look, I'm having fun with. Uh this character for sure and I have fun with them all you know I'd, I'd like to think I choose wisely and you know over the years I've definitely tried to switch it uh, and not get too um, backed into a corner with a particular type of character you know playing Littlefinger for seven years although he was uh, you know was mischievous and charming you know it's seen as a, a villainous role so you just try and change the change the channel a little you know I deliberately went after someone who was warm and open and fun and you know a good on the side of good um and yeah for sure i've done loads you know i've done a lot before game of thrones and while it's been nice having that worldwide attention i've been working as an actor for 30 years and you know it's been a slow and steady track to that point all of it enjoyable and you know i like to think that you know, all my decisions have been as informed as I could make them, and I, I've worked as hard as I can on all of those characters. So, look, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying them. Yeah, well, listen, you've put together an amazing uh, career, but this uh, this second season, uh, I know so many people are anticipating, and it's it's already started, and folks obviously uh, can binge watch uh, everything that's going on uh, with uh, with. Project Blue Book, and I imagine there's a a different niche audience for this than uh, than you would have had in many of your films uh, and and TV shows, and I, a lot of folks that are into UFOs and into the paranormal and uh, and conspiracies, uh, they're really zoned in on this and they're really tuned in on that. Uh, do you do you have to be aware of that, or do you have to ignore that? In, in order to uh, pull your character straight through, do you just kind of ignore what's going on in the uh, you know all the chat rooms and everything, and just do your job, or or do you kind of take all of that in? 
Well, I, yeah, I don't personally because I don't, I'm not on social media. I don't read any of that stuff either. Um, because it can be quite distracting, um, you know, whether it's good or bad. Uh, I, I try to, you know, avoid it. You want to start believing the, you don't want to believe the bad stuff. You don't want to believe the good stuff. It's just the way it goes. Um, so, you know, when we're actually shooting it, we're thinking about the character, the script, the story, what we're doing that day, what we're doing that minute. And, um, on a, on a larger, uh, you know, the bigger picture is, of course, we want to appeal to the, um, to the, the UFO enthusiasts. You know, the people who take this stuff very seriously, the people who take the paranormal seriously, you know, that niche, we're not making it specifically for them, but we want it to appeal to them and we want their approval. But our goal is to reach a much wider audience than that, you know. And our showrunners and writers and Robert Zemeckis' company who, who, who are behind it, you know, they're masters of um, popular entertainment, in particular Zemeckis. You know, he's one of the great American uh, storytellers in film, you know, with, you know, movies like... Uh, the Back to the Future films and Contact and Forrest Gump, you know, he really knows what he's doing with story, script, character. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. And, you know, these are based on real people who did quite extraordinary and, you know, strange and interesting things, you know. Alan Hynek's career, Hynek is a man who I'm playing, you know, it's quite extraordinary and singular and unusual for a television audience to be discovering So. There you go. Now, let me remind everyone that's just tuning in a little late or turning on their radios a little late. Aiden Gillen, a wonderful actor, you know, from everything from Game of Thrones to Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, hosted other voices. Right. Is that, is that the series? It was just t terrific. Also, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Another uh, thing that will never leave him. Uh, another project. Just terrific. But today we're talking about the second season of Project Blue Book. And it is terrific. And Aiden, there's two different ways that that this could have gone. You know, when when it originally was uh, it was being talked about, it it could have uh, gone in, in a very um, cheeky, silly way, or or could have become a very smart show, which it has. It, and you look at it, and you mention some of the other names that are involved. It is a smart show. And even though you're going to have conspiracy theorists and and uh, and UFO. Uh, people just kind of ripping it uh, you know apart and, and and shredding it to see you know all the little inaccuracies or this or whatever it, it mm. really is a smart show and folks could kind of tune in and uh, and and really uh, do a little bit of thinking while it goes on I don't know if that was even talked about when it first came out but obviously you got to be happy yeah, that it yeah, turned definitely. out that way. I mean I think the, the idea always was was for it to have that dual appeal you know for it to be true to uh, the science you know to be true to the actual reports that it's based on and um the culture of ufology but also to have a, a broad appeal you know this is something that was done before i guess with uh, the film close encounters of the third kind you know it was a, a huge film um in its time but they treated the subject very seriously and uh also employed you know every technical trick that they could and, in, and innovated, you know, special effects to realize, you know, to realize these, this vision in such a stunning way. And it's a film that uh, was a huge film for me growing up and um, still is. I, I watch that film, you know, every few years and it still blows my mind. Um, so, but you know, it was a massive popular entertainment as well. So the idea was to make it fun, make it entertaining, but for it to be serious and um, technically uh, assured and accurate as well.
Um, you know, we want people to have fun. It's not to, it's not to be like a, a boring science, you know, scientific historical artifact. You know, we want it to appeal to the here and now. And you know, while being set in the 1950s, but you know, that's a period people love. You know, people love the uh, nostalgia of America in the 1950s. Well, listen, uh, congratulations not only on the second season of Project Blue Book, but on everything else that you've done. I, you've already said you don't deal with social media, but give us a website or, or somewhere people can kind of follow along with what you're doing. You, you're asking me? I don't yeah. know. You don't have a website? I don't have or, one. You, wow, no kidding. All right. So uh, listen, Google, everyone no. should Google Project Blue Book and just uh, binge watch it and everything with Aiden Gillen. But Aiden, congratulations on everything yeah. you're doing. The Russians have some good websites on me. I've heard of this. <laughs> like, how do you share what they're called? Look it up. Russia. Wait, wait, wait to go. Hey, good luck with everything. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Aiden. See you. Thanks. Aiden Gillen, everyone, has been our very special guest. And you know his work from Peaky Blinders, a man who could care less about social media and websites, obviously, and, uh, you know, kind of old school, if you think about it, but Game of Thrones, he played Littlefinger for seven years, and Bohemian Rhapsody was in that, and other voices, The Dark Knight Rises, I mean, he's got a resume uh, a mile long, I always say, but for him, for sure, uh, just uh, absolutely amazing. Aiden Gillen has been our very special guest, and... You know, hopefully we can get him back for a little bit uh, longer of time. But his his subject today was Project Blue Book. And again, it's uh, it focuses on Area 50, uh, 51 and Roswell and everything in and around uh, there. And, uh, you know, just uh, a smart show. And it's definitely worth checking out. And like I said, it could have been cheesy or it could have been. Uh, it, it could have been smart, and, and they went this direction. He mentioned Robert Zemeckis as being a part of this, and yes, uh, he, you know, he is and a big part of it, and usually if, uh, if, if Robert has something to do with it, it usually turns out pretty smart. Uh, you know, he mentioned um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I kind of thought of that when I looked into Project Blue Book. They kind of go that route. And, and that's terrific. And he's right. I, I watch that every couple of years and I just saw it just recently and it was absolutely terrific. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A man who is extraordinarily talented, and he does three things simultaneously very well. He's a sports broadcaster. You know him as the voice of the Yankees, and he is a, a wonderful radio show host with, uh, with Don and, and Peter over there. They're just absolutely great. But what we're talking about today is uh, the celebrity interviewing that he does, and his show Center Stage is uh, is top notch. And you know, someone could say, "Look, there there are people who can do those four things extraordinarily well, uh, as as well as Michael K can." But uh, I'll tell you what, you can count them on one hand, and, and that's what level he is at. Uh, his latest is Center Stage. My most fascinating interviews from A Rod to Jay Z. Uh, it is a must get. Get two of them. Get one for yourself and get one as a present. Uh, but he is absolutely terrific. And 
interviews from Larry David and Snoop Dogg and Tyson, and they are just absolutely great. Michael K., how are you, and happy Father's Day. Well, thank you so much. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing well, and uh, listen, I'm very excited about your new book, and I, I know I, I know you must be as well. Can you give us a quick overview? Yeah, sure. We you know we've been doing center stage on Yes since the beginning of Yes, so this is the 20th year. It's certainly flown by, and uh, you know the whole premise of the show when it was thought of by the guy who started Yes, John Filippelli, was he wanted to have inside the actor studio for sports. So we've had. A-list guests, 240 of them. And then when I decided to put some of the interviews in a book, we cut it down to the 35 best ones. And what the book essentially is, is we give you the interview that was done on the TV, but then I give you the backstory of how the people were, how they treated people, how the interview uh, came to be, uh, you know, where they've come since that interview, and just some of the backstories that you don't really hear that much about, because I'm always fascinated to see how celebrities or famous people treat people when they're not on camera or on the microphone because they can always put on a show, but how are they in real life? So I studied, I studied them when they came to the studio, how they treated the people that catered and how they treated the people that, that put the microphones on. Uh, I think that's the true, you know, true test of a man or a woman, you know, how they treat people that really can't help them that much. Whether it made the book or not, was there a pivotal interview for Center Stage where once you either did it or once it aired, you said to yourself, wow, this is going to be a big deal and this is going to go on for a long time? Was there that one moment? Well, the, the first guest ever, I mean, because when you're, first of all, the Yes Network started out of nothing, so it was out of dust. And it's hard to, to really attract A-list guests, and that's the only thing they wanted on the show. Uh, so we had to create some kind of a, uh, a reputation right away. And, uh, the, the head of the Yes Network was friends with the Hall of Fame quarterback, Steve Young. And the first show was actually taped before the, ne the network even went on the air. And there was a huge snowstorm that day. And Steve was in Bristol with ESPN. And we thought we'd have to cancel. We had a big audience there. And he was three and a half hours late, but he refused to cancel because he had given his word. And he drove all that way from Bristol. It took him like four hours in the car. And then he walked in and the show actually happened and it worked and it aired. And I think other people saw that. And then the allure of the Yankee name got some of the guests as well. But that first one, you know, we didn't know whether it would happen or not. When it did happen, that was a good jumping off point for the rest of them to happen. I, I don't know if you go into it in the book, uh, but do, do you have a most hostile guest? Is it someone that uh, that it was just a, a bad chemistry from the start? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have one. Uh, that's Dennis Quaid. I didn't put the interview in the, in the book, but I did tell the story early. Um, he, he came there. Uh, he was having some trouble in his, his personal life. He was promoting a movie called The Rookie. And uh, he just showed up, and he didn't have a, a great way about him. And uh, he, he claimed that his uh, his people didn't tell him that the interview was an hour. He thought it was like an eight-minute interview like you get on you know, Kelly and Ryan, but, it, you know, it's an hour. Yeah. So he sat down, and he's giving yes or no answers, which is just brutal. <laughs> so he did that for about two segments, and then we went to a commercial, and I just leaned over to him, and I said, listen, the show's an hour whether you give yes or no answers or not, it's still an hour. And I got thousands of questions. So I'm not going to look bad. You're going to look bad. So you could decide how the rest of this goes. So 
He picked it up a little bit after that, and I think he was startled that somebody spoke to him that way. But the bottom line is it was an awful interview. It's the worst one we did in 240. Unbelievable. Uh, you mentioned 35 interviews. Is there any one that you were kind of on the fence about that didn't make the book? And, and uh, you know, maybe re- you're even second-guessing now or you were dancing with the idea. I'm sure there were a lot of them, but is there one that stands out? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple. Um, you know, I, I cut them down to about 50, and uh, then the editor and the publisher said, it's got to be the 35. If it's 50, the book would just be too long, and it's hard to sell a book that that's big. Uh, so I think the toughest one, the toughest cut was the actor, um, um, uh, Cruz, um, Terry Cruz. Uh, he was fascinating. Yeah. He was on stage and he's talking about how he was sexually abused in Hollywood as a young actor. And he was crying on stage as he was telling the story. I thought that was an important story to tell. Uh, so that's why I included, you know, in the lead up in the book. But we never really printed the interview. That was a tough one to actually cut. And um, Chris Russo, who I'm sure you're familiar with, sure. Mad Dog, that was a really fun one. But the, the publisher didn't think that had national appeal. And then Stephen A. Smith was really good as well. But uh, it was hard to cut from 50 to 35, to be totally honest with you. Well, I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. Congratulations again. The name of the book is Center Stage, My Most Fascinating Interviews from A-Rod to AZ uh, to Jay-Z. Before you go, uh, Tyson. Uh, Tyson came on high, right? He got high a couple of minutes before the interview. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, you know, you got a big guy there. You got a tough guy there, all high, and he's a little, uh, you know, it, it's a hard, hard interview probably in the first place. Give us a little rundown on that. That was a fascinating day. He showed up late. He came with friends. He went to the dressing room. There was a smell of pot skunk, uh, a skunk <laughs> pot coming out from under the door. And then he finally came out, and uh, he was very, he was very gracious. But when he got on stage, honestly, it was the most raw interview I've ever done. <laughs> he sat there, and at times he cried uncontrollably. He was laughing uncontrollably. He got sad. He got happy. There were times I thought he was going to hit me. The audience was sitting on the edge of their seats. And uh, so the show aired on Yes. And after the show aired for the first time, Spike Lee was watching. And he picked up the phone and he called Mike Tyson and said, that's a one-man Broadway show right there. You do what you do on that stage, what you just did, and you do it alone on Broadway. That's going to be a hit. And it turned into the Broadway show, which he also has done in Vegas as well. So it kind of makes me proud, but also a little jealous because why wasn't I on Broadway? I was part of it as well. <laughs> you got it going. You should get a, a piece of it yeah. at least. Well, hey, listen, congratulations not only on the book, but congratulations on an amazing career, uh, just going as strong as ever. Can you give us a website or a social media site where people could follow along with you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, Real Michael K. You can get the book at Amazon.com or any bookstore as well. So, um, I mean, I really appreciate you giving me the time to talk about it. Happy Father's Day, Michael, and thanks for being here. The same to you. Thanks so much. Center Stage, my most fascinating interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. And, and Michael Kay is the, is the host of Center Stage and the author of that book. Uh, he's terrific. I'll tell you what, he's... Uh, it, it, 
celebrity interview. I mean, it's what we do here. It, it's a it's a difficult thing uh, to to deal with. He has you know that Yankee name with him, but he does it as well as anyone. And he does the three things right. He's got the radio show, and it's a whole different vibe. It's a different feel. He's uh, he's there with uh, Peter Rosenberg and Don Lare- uh, Lagreca, and sometimes he's not even there. He's not even on the show because he's broadcasting Yankee games, right? And then you're a broadcaster for a sports team, and and it's different. Also, he's not a company man. A lot of these guys are and gals are that uh, that uh, are the voice of the the team that they go for. He's, you know, he says what he feels. I mean, he is he is an opinionated guy, and he's got the juice to be able to do that and get away from that. And then the third thing he does again is celebrity uh, interviews. Uh, they're three different talents. They're three different skill set to handle. And like I said, I. You know, I mean, who's out there that does what he does? Uh, Bob Costas is excellent, of course. I mean, he's great at that. You know, Joe Buck a bit. I don't even know who fits that category of being uh, being an ability or a, a person that does those three things and does it at this level and does it very, uh, very high level. Michael K is excellent. I mean, really is. And, uh, you know, look, Larry King, the late Larry King, and I don't want to be disrespectful to Larry King, but Larry King was dry. I mean, he was a, he was a dry guy. He mentioned, Michael mentioned, uh, inside the acting, actor's studio, and that was James Lipton. James Lipton had a had a card where he asked the same exact interview questions for it's, there's some method or whatever it is. Every single guest, he would just read off the same questions. And, uh, you know, you can grab anybody off the street. You can grab the guy in the little yellow car across the street and, and bring him here and just say, read these things. Not putting down James Lipton either. You know, he's another guy who passed away. But, it, you know, uh, Center Stage is not the inside the actor's studio. I mean, it's Michael K is a very skilled celebrity interviewer. And he's, and, uh, again, not ripping James Lipton, but he he asked the same questions every single time. It wasn't a conversation. It was it was this, you know, set of questions, and the guest had a chance to uh, approve it. I think on there, what's your favorite curse word, and what's again. It is what it is, but Michael Kay is a unique talent who does all three of these things well. Get his book, Center Stage, My Most Fascinating Interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. Uh, great stories in there. Larry David, uh, Snoop Dogg. I, I think Snoop Dogg said it was the best interview that he's ever done, and uh, you know, it's, it's saying a lot. A guy like Snoop Dogg has been interviewed constantly in, in his whole career, and he's a good interview. And I'll tell you, for him to say that about Michael Kay, it's, uh, it's, it's true. Hey, radio show host, broadcaster, and voice of the Yankees, and certainly, again, I'll give it to you again, center stage, my most fascinating interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. Frank McKay signing off. Michael Kay has been our very special guest. We'll see you next time.